This episode of News Dump is brought to you by Masterclass and by HelloFresh. Hey, so not exactly a fun one this week by any means, though we'll try to round things out with some positivity, I guess, at some point during the video. But we should probably just get straight into what is very unfortunately the biggest story in entertainment news this week. The horrific accident that took place in New Mexico on the set of an upcoming film called Rust, where a prop gun wielded by Alec Baldwin ended up firing a live round, uh, killing the film's cinematographer Helena Hutchins and injuring the film's director Joel Souza. Uh, the film has since been put on hiatus, obviously. I don't think this movie is getting finished. No, I would assume that it does not get finished. Um, especially given the the plot description of this movie. Alec Baldwin was playing a character who's uh, trying to save his son from being like taken to the hangman for accidentally killing someone. Yeah, it's a so, western. Uh, yeah. yeah, a little too, I think they should just probably call it. Yeah, for this reason and for a lot of other reasons, as we've discovered about this shit show of production, which yeah. reflects very poorly on the entire industry at a time when the spotlight was already on the working conditions of the uh, below-the-line film industry. Yes. But anyway, how did this happen, considering the obvious fact that what Baldwin was firing was described as a prop gun? What's that? And, you know, initial reports from the set of the film indicated that the firearm was only loaded with blanks. Yeah. So... How does that happen? I mean, it's been proven time and time again that blanks are also extremely dangerous, especially at close range. Uh, but it looks as though this onset accident was actually caused by a live round that was mistakenly left in the gun between takes. Yeah, although the, the definition of live round. The uh, union has since come yeah. out and said, well, we refer to anything that has a charge as a live round, which includes blanks. blanks. Yeah. So this whole story, there is not a lot of information definitive information that's come out. Yes. Uh, people have had about 24 hours to just speculate so much to a degree that makes me personally uncomfortable and which I blame on uh, the rise of true crime podcasts and the fact that Brian Laundrie's body was discovered just hours before this all went down. So all the fucking psychos who've been obsessed with that thing for the last month now have some new thing to just endlessly speculate about. <laughs> and we'll get to that too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, here's Variety. The prop gun that killed Rust cinematographer Helena Hutchins and wounded director Joel Souza during an onset accident on Thursday contained a live single round, according to an email sent by IATSE Local 44 to its membership. Additionally, the union says that New Mexico crew members staffed the props, set decoration, special effects, and construction departments on Rust, not its members. Quote, a live single round was accidentally fired on set by the principal actor, hitting both the director of photography, local 600 member Helena Hutchins, and director Joel Souza, the union told members. Both were rushed to the hospital. Unfortunately, we lost Sister Hutchins, who passed from the wound. And there are various unconfirmed rumors floating around about how the projectile or whatever found its way into the gun, uh, with a few claiming that the person in charge of the weapon was firing it with live actual rounds in between takes. Uh, there's screenshots of text messages going around. There's lots of discussion on, you guessed it, Reddit and Twitter. I mean, this uh, story was first broken on 4chan. Wow. So... That's always interesting when that happens. Although yeah. people people act, people act like that's such a big deal. It's just like, no, I mean, this didn't go to the press until... Things were confirmed. Like, the dust was actually settled. Yeah. And people were taken to the hospital and whatnot. Yeah. But, like, all it takes is one set member texting their friend being like, holy shit, Alec Baldwin shot two people. And their friend just immediately logs on, or I guess not even logs on, but goes on 4chan and posts it like, oh, my God. Well, yeah, and there's also, like, the people who, you know even in like the Los Angeles subreddits and stuff like that, people who actually work with 
you know, people who are on the set here. It's yeah. Like, yeah, this sounds like accurate information. People talk. They, yeah, so it it's not a, like... It's uh, a very chatty, gossipy industry but here. Yeah, we're... So far, none of it's confirmed. It's just what people within the industry and within these unions are, are saying what happened on this. There is going to be a lengthy and detailed investigation by OSHA, by the unions, by, by multiple uniform, yeah, yeah, law enforcement. There's this is this thing is going to be analyzed to death. It, it, it's very reminiscent of the incident back in 2014, where uh, I, I oh, they had was, uh, the railroad tracks. Yeah, where yeah. a production was filming on a railroad an active railroad an active railroad that they didn't have permission to film on and a crew member was killed by yeah. a train like that shit was investigated to death and that will definitely be happening here yes but uh when it comes down to it this absolutely never should have happened regardless of how it happened and it has to be the fault of the onset armor for allowing a weapon that has the ability to kill someone very easily not being properly checked or cleared before having that weapon pointed at any living thing i love i've seen a lot of uh the dumbest fucking takes about a lot of people want to blame Alec Baldwin for political reasons, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but like they're like, it's his fault because when you point a gun at something, it is your responsibility to know what's in that gun. It's like, no, it's not. It's not his and, actor. He's and, not the, uh, responsible for and that. And like a prop master, a responsible one would actually not want you fucking with the gun that they just set up because now they have to now they have to set it up all over again because yes. you messed with it. There are a lot of things that typically go into something like this. This is absolutely not the actor's responsibility. Uh, although, yeah, as people, and we will point out, people have pointed out that Alec Baldwin was a producer at, at some level, either yes. executive or otherwise, on the film. So technically, there is some responsibility that falls under his purview because of uh, what may or may not have transpired. Probably a lot. Yes. Uh, this, this incident seems to have been the culmination of a complete breakdown in onset safety. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, Of which he is technically that responsible is, that for. That is the responsibility of yes. the producers, of which, yeah, Alec Baldwin is one of, I think, five other people. So, yeah. Yes. And when it comes when the reality of it comes down, it's like when Alec Baldwin says he's a producer on something, it is typically for name recognition and to be a part of the yeah, back end of the project. He's, he's not between takes, yeah. like going through the, the logs. The budgets and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, nuance here that we literally can't get into because we weren't there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there typically there are no shortage of safety protocols that have to be followed on sets like this, no matter the film's budget. And there was a horrific failure that occurred which resulted in the death of a crew member. Uh, this is such a terrible and sad scenario for everyone involved, most importantly, the family and loved ones of Helena Hutchins, but also like outside of the potential responsibility uh, uh, that falls under being the producer on the film. This also sucks for Alec Baldwin. I mean, regardless of what you think of the guy for any other reason, he inadvertently killed someone through what clearly appears to be no direct fault of his own. Yeah, no, I... He is responsible for the death of another I human, which is a huge emotional... I cannot fucking imagine. Yes. Like, I, this would... This would ruin me. I... I don't want to... Uh, I would... Die. I don't want to get into details, but it would be difficult for me to continue on with yes. the rest of my life knowing that I was responsible for something like this, even, yeah. even if accidental. And, and he now has to live with that for the rest of his life. Yeah. Uh, and... According to reports and photos taken afterwards, oh. the guy is beside himself yeah, in fucking and those, grief. Those photos feel so fucking gross. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna show them here, but it's like, like paparazzi long lensing this guy who's just like experiencing accidentally killed someone. An awful fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but Variety's reporting on the incident continues. The Santa Fe, New Mexican reported that Baldwin was questioned by investigators and was in tears. No one was arrested in the incident and no charges have been filed, the office said. Detectives were interviewing witnesses and the incident remains under an open and active investigation, according to the sheriff's office. And Baldwin released a statement on Friday via Twitter where he said the following. He kept it pretty simple, which is probably the best call. Yeah. There are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic accident that took the life of Helena Hutchins, a wife, mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours. I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred, and I am in touch with her husband, offering my support to him and his family. My heart is broken for her husband, their son, and all who knew and loved Helena. Um, and this tragedy, it, it further substantiates the claims, especially recently, from unions, especially IATSE, over safe working conditions on sets. Yeah. Uh, because this production was not only taking place amidst a potential strike and industry-wide walkout, but also because issues uh, on this particular movie set yeah. had been brought up multiple times before this incident happened, even the same day. Yes. Uh, this did not come out of nowhere. Yes, it, this is one of those scenarios where you say, who could have saw this coming? And they, a lot of people did. This is the whole reason we have labor regulations yeah. and uh, required amounts of time between the hours you work. And this is why IATSE was asking that they not have to show up and work for 20 hours and then only get eight hours of sleep before they have to come back and do it again. Yeah. Because when you're tired, you get sloppy. You fuck up. From the LA Times, uh, labor trouble had been brewing for days on the dusty set at Bonanza Creek Ranch near Santa Fe. Shooting began on October 6th, and members of the production said they had been promised the production would pay for their hotel rooms in Santa Fe. But after filming began, the crews were told they instead would be required to make the 50-mile drive from Albuquerque each day rather than stay overnight in nearby Santa Fe. The cinematographer who was accidentally killed, Helena Hutches, had been advocating for safer conditions for her team, said one crew member who was on the set. As the camera crew, members of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, spent about an hour assembling their gear at the Bonanza Creek Ranch, several non-union crew members showed up to replace them, the knowledgeable person said. A member of the producer staff then ordered the union members to leave the set. She said if they didn't leave, the producers would call security to remove them. Quote, corners are being cut, and they brought in non-union people so they could continue shooting, the knowledgeable person said. There were two misfires on the prop gun on Saturday and one the previous week, the person said, adding, quote, there was a serious lack of safety meetings on this set. So uh, people have been bringing up the fact that, uh, yeah, Alec Baldwin, in addition to acting on this movie, was also a producer. Yeah. So, yeah, at the end of the day, he will have to bear some of the blame regarding the death of Helena. Uh, because of what appears to be unsafe working conditions and warnings that were ignored. That yeah. would be his responsibility in that regard. And, uh, of course, there are comparisons being made to the untimely death of Brandon Lee during the production of The Crow back in the early 90s. Uh, they are eerily similar. We're not really sure if the cause of both deaths will be the same or if this one was like an actual bullet that was chambered and not cleared. It's uh, so much fucking speculation started yeah. happening immediately when this was reported, and no one knows. None of you know what the fuck happened. Well, so it's that's all the thing. very unclear. I didn't know about any of this because I don't go on Twitter about the speculation and oh, the arguing back rampant. and forth. But that was the thing was I said uh, on Discord to you, I was like, yeah, this kind of reminds me of The Crow. And it's like, I go I go on Twitter for something else today because uh, I needed an asset for this episode. 
And I was like, oh, other people are saying this, and now it's it's a meme. But no, it's like it for my generation. This is the only point of reference yeah. of this happening on a set. So it's like it's yeah, yeah it's and true. It could be it could be the exact same thing where like the the bullet got lodged in the thing, or it could not be. It could also not be that. Yeah. It was what was especially annoying is that a lot of the people bringing up the similarities to Brandon Lee's death were also getting completely wrong the actual details of how that happened. Yeah. And you know the idea of what a live round is in the context of uh, film props. It's it's frustrating. It's just like everyone just shut the fuck up and like we we don't know. We don't know. So just shut the fuck up and let the investigations take their sweet time with this because it's going to be a while. Um, but yeah, that's all we know. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, speaking of tragedies, one wildly popular story has finally come to an end. And despite the nonstop theorizing, fantasizing and ultimately unnecessary uh, media blitz whipped up by the appearance of reality TV show star Dog the Bounty Hunter, uh, the Brian Laundry Gabby Petito case has concluded with the most simple explanations being pretty much correct the entire time. Yeah, Occam's razor was extra sharp this time. Uh, yeah. You tell, you ask me what happens to a fugitive who runs into a swamp, I say he's probably going to get eaten by an alligator. And, yeah. oh my gosh, would you look at that. I mean, obviously anyone is, uh, you know, you're free to believe anything that you want. You could assume that there's probably more going on here. There's also, like, you know, if you if you want to read all those subreddits, there's a lot more speculation going on here too with what was found Some and everything. Of the dumbest shit in this case. Like, did you see the they, part there? He's buried under his parents' new garden. The TikTokers who became convinced based on nothing, like a single pixel in some like drone footage of people creeping on his parents' house, where they're like, "Oh, he's in a he's hiding inside of a hatch inside of their uh, garden in their backyard." That was that that was the thing. Was Shut like, the fuck up. That whole thing was uh, they someone was flying a drone. And the parents looked up and were like, oh, God, and went inside. And they were like, you can look on old Google Maps photos that these gardens are. And it's like, okay, so someone put a fucking garden in their yard. Oh, my God. Yeah. This true crime has rotted everyone's mind. You need um, to stop it. But, yeah, uh, based on the, uh, the available evidence, the timeline, and facts that are publicly available, Brian Laundrie, he murdered his girlfriend. He freaked out. He drove home to Florida, hung out with his parents, and then went out into the swamp to either kill himself or succumb to the elements. Yeah. He didn't go on a killing spree. He wasn't able to elude authorities by escaping the country or just disappearing somewhere else in America. He didn't have some well-thought-out plan. And his parents seem to have not been hiding anything. They actually just told the cops exactly where he went, and yeah. that's where he ended up being. I hope you feel good about yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, earlier this week, Brian Laundrie's parents and law enforcement found his belongings as well as human remains in the exact place that his parents told authorities to look when Brian was first reported missing back in September. It appears as though the reason that it took authorities so long to locate any evidence or a body was that the area is a swamp. <laughs> yeah. And the water level has been high throughout the search and only recently receded enough for evidence to be exposed. Just go on, go on Google Earth or Google Maps and look at Florida. Just anywhere in fucking Florida that doesn't have streets and cities. There's a lot of places to go in Florida and not be found. Uh, but no, so here's the thing: is it's obviously very rainy season. September is still in hurricane season, I yeah. believe, too. So it's very rain. It's always rainy in Florida, regardless yeah. of the time of the year. But uh, water level rise when lots of rain, especially when you're completely surrounded by swampland and yeah. rivers and lakes. So it it rise. And then it go down. But why didn't they just look in the swamp? So when it didn't rain for long enough, the water level receded, and uh, they were able to find remains. How big could the swamp be? 
A lot. A, a lot it's, big. It's huge. So anyway, yeah, there's numerous video and photo comparisons showing the water levels in Carlton Reserve between now and early September. Uh, but yeah, that's basically what happened. Uh, the water level went down. They found his body or parts of it. Yeah. They haven't confirmed that it was an alligator or No, no, they haven't con- like they that, haven't confirmed but... the actual cause of death, but uh we don't know. That yeah. that's the mystery that uh, Reddit needs to solve. Uh anyway, Brian Launder, he left home, he went out to that reserve and he either killed himself or died just natural causes from starvation or exposure or dehydration got, uh, yeah, yeah, or got killed by an alligator which there were presumably plenty of those around. A dehydration uh, to get you quick too. Like I know you're in water, but you can't like it's even having one of those survival straws. What are you gonna do? Sip that like the entire yeah. time and give your body enough no. nutrients to survive out there? It's it's harsh. It is. Yeah. So they found his remains, which were later identified through dental records, which is not a not, great sign. <laughs> not a great sign about the state of those remains. Yeah. And uh, now the case is essentially over as far as detailed coverage. There was a notebook recovered from one of his bags, but it has not been confirmed whether it was damaged by the water or if it even contained anything worthwhile. Maybe it was a cookbook. And even if he wrote about what he did, uh, it would be his entire like version yeah. of it. Yeah. I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this isn't exactly the perp walk that online detectives and anyone else wanted. But at least Gabby's family has some sort of closure here instead of wondering if their daughter's alleged killer is still out there. But uh, it, it would have been nice to get some answers and some justice here. Uh, it always would be. The but whole, the whole yeah. case stinks. And um, yeah, I just feel bad for the families uh, involved in it because there's, there's closure, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. I've, this sucks. It's not a fun thing to talk about. No. Uh, it just... The online discourse of it. Insufferable. Yeah. Um, But uh, since we've had two back-to-back stories that are pretty upsetting, let's take a second to collect ourselves and break the awkward tone by showing you this video of Rudy Giuliani posted to his personal Twitter account where he uses a video filter that makes him look like Abraham Lincoln in order to attack the former governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, who is uh, running to be reelected to the position. Here you go. Virginia, vote against the man who dishonored our past by selling my bedroom hundreds and hundreds of times to scoundrels in a pay-for-play scheme. In my time, we had a name for men who sold bedrooms for one night. In your time, the name is Terry McAuliffe and the Clinton fleas once and for all. Uh, This video is... uh clearly both an argument for and against old people, specifically ones involved in politics, having Twitter accounts at all. Um, but what about a truth account? That's the thing. Is you, if you want these bangers from Rudy Giuliani, you're going to have to go sign up for truth. Trump had a second uh, a second banger this week. Truth isn't even out yet, but he has already upped his game on his personal uh, blog or news tab or whatever. He had the Colin Powell one, and then just two, three days later... Had a great one talking shit on Meghan McCain, who I think we can all agree sucks. Like mm-hmm. that that's one another another the worst person you know, <laughs> again, made a second great point in in one week. Yeah. So yeah, pretty good one. You if should... he had never been president, a very entertaining Twitter account. If this man had no power, no ever, power at all. And was just there on the sidelines, peanut gallery, just heckling everything. Yeah. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd much rather watch Donald Trump 
comment on politics than any of these. <laughs> then these, be active in it. These cunts on Fox News. Yeah. No, just give me Trump. <laughs> anyway, before we get to the rest of today's video, which we promise is far lighter in tone, mm. let's take a quick second to thank today's sponsors, starting with Masterclass. Masterclass gives you the extra knowledge and motivation that you need to take your craft, whatever it may be, to the next level. That's where Masterclass shines because you're getting information from literally the best people in the business from a variety of fields like cooking, music, film, animation, business, tech, and plenty more. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn the art of DJing and music curation from Questlove, improve your cooking skills from Gordon Ramsay, or learn game design and theory from Will Wright. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. Elliot, how are your guitar lessons going? Uh, they're great. I, I watched the Tom Morello uh, guitar course, which is more of a philosophy of guitar and music course. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they're great. The lessons are all basically like 10 minutes or less. And uh, turn them on whenever you want. And it's just, you feel like you're hanging out with Tom Morello I like and being, learning a thing or two. I like being inspired by all of these uh, wonderful masters of their class. It's not just schlub classes, master class. Exactly. Masters only. Mm -hmm. These cinema quality classes give you unparalleled access to literal experts. And the lessons range from showing you how to execute a technique to insights about that craft. You can explore lessons in any order across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, or computer. And in just 10 to 15 minutes, you can squeeze a few lessons in here or there without setting aside your entire day. If you're interested, we definitely think you should check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass, and for our viewers, you can get 15% off an annual membership. Just go to masterclass.com slash newsdump. That is masterclass.com slash newsdump for 15% off Masterclass. This episode is also sponsored by HelloFresh. Hello! Fall can be hectic, but HelloFresh's recipes save time that you'd otherwise spend on meal prepping, grocery shopping, and chopping. So you can focus on getting back into a new routine and spending quality time with the family. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. With options like quick and easy meals, low prep, one pan, and 10 to 15 minute meals, that's time cut down spending on cooking and cleaning that you can give back to your family. Or if you're feeling uh, greedy, just to yourself. Just to yourself. Or if you live alone. Yeah. Uh, HelloFresh offers the flexibility that you need to easily customize your order on the app within minutes. Easily change your delivery day, your food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need. Uh, recently, I had, uh, I mean, always the tacos. They're very simple to make. They're also delicious. I get usually one taco-related meal in each pack. Mm -hmm. But uh, one, one of the ones that I branched out on recently was uh, I did a little shepherd's pie. Ooh. I know. And it was good, too. Very filling. You might even have seconds, some leftovers. Yeah, that is a hearty meal. It is, and it was uh, simple to make, and I wouldn't have ever done it if it wasn't for them wow. like, kind of forcing me to by sending me the ingredients yeah. and the instructions list. Not something I would typically go with a, a plan to a grocery <laughs> yeah. store and make, but it was good. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, get in the kitchen. Start cranking out delicious meals using America's number one meal kit like we are uh, by going to HelloFresh.com slash NewsDump14 and using code NewsDump14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash NewsDump14 for up to 14 free meals with free shipping. HelloFresh.com slash NewsDump14. All right, back to the news now with a continuation of the saga regarding the famous one-of-a-kind Wu-Tang album, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin, which was originally purchased by Pharma Bro Martin Shkreli in one of his most diabolical moves ever. 
Yeah, this one, this story's got it all, Elliot. You're going to hate every moment of it. Yeah, so Shkreli's, of course, currently serving a prison sentence for security fraud, and part of his legal drama included millions of dollars worth of asset forfeiture, which, of course, included that one-of-a-kind album. Back in July, it was announced that the United States government had successfully sold the album at auction to an undisclosed buyer, and at the time, one of the rumors floating around was that maybe the RZA or someone else involved in the album had bought it back with plans to finally release the album publicly because obviously this experiment had failed so bad. It didn't fail financially. It is still the most expensive album ever made or ever sold. True. There's probably way more uh, more expensive to make albums that have been made in the past. But. So was it the RZA? Did the RZA get the album? No, that's that's not the case. Uh, reality is, of course, always much, much dumber than what people think. Um, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin was actually purchased by what appears to be a cryptocurrency collector. God damn it! <laughs> I, I told you you were going to hate this. And no! it's worse for you. Are they making it into an NFT? Oh, Elliot, quit predicting the news. No! Uh, you're only half right, though, okay. I promise. Uh, so... It, it is a little bit confusing. The, the cryptocurrency collective, they own it. Uh, they weren't the one that purchased it uh, or originally purchased it from the government auction. Uh, they technically used a... Did they put it up at a pawn shop, an NFT pawn shop? No, they, they used it? like a an actual human proxy because ah. the government wouldn't accept crypto as money to pay for it. So the cryptocurrency collective group that we'll talk about in a second gave someone enough crypto to turn it into US dollars to purchase it and then give it back to the crypto collective. Yeah, all right. Again, it's confusing. Cool. Here's the New York Times. The album has found yet another life on the frontier of digital art and cryptocurrency, having been sold for $4 million to Pleaser DAO, uh, Pleaser DAO, I'm not entirely sure, so I'll say Pleaser DAO for the rest of the <laughs> episode. Uh, Pleaser DAO is a collective that has existed for less than a year, but has already built a reputation for acquiring high-profile digital works. Oh, God. The reporting continues. In a complex deal with multiple parties, one of whom remains unidentified, Pleaser Dow acquired Once Upon a Time after its sale in July by the federal government, which had seized the album to satisfy the balance of a $7.4 million forfeiture money judgment against Mr. Shkreli that was part of his sentencing in 2018. When the United States Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of New York in Brooklyn announced the sale of Once Upon a Time in Shaolin this summer, no details about the buyer or price were disclosed. Prosecutors said that information was confidential. But Pleaser Dow, which took possession of the album on September 10 and is keeping it in a vault somewhere in New York City, has decided to come forward to celebrate its trophy and announce its goal to ultimately, somehow, make the album more widely available for fans to hear, if, that is, it can convince RZA, the Wu-Tang's leader, and his fellow producer, Silver Rings, to allow it. Yeah, so the original agreement with the purchaser of this album was that the tracks couldn't be publicly released uh, for 88 years, uh, which means pretty much anyone who was alive and old enough to care about it when Squarely bought it would be long dead. Uh, So it looks like the crypto company wants uh, to figure out some way for people to hear it. And one of the ideas is doing listening parties around the globe. So it's not like they're just uploading it and or selling it. It, It's, you know, an art exhibit, basically. But but hold on, because You knew this was coming since we are talking about cryptocurrency. There is an NFT aspect to this sale. Of course Uh, there fucking is. Of course. The New York Times spoke with Pleaser Dow's chief pleasing officer. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Fuck you. No. I hate you. (laughs) The New York Times spoke with Pleaser Dow's 
Chief Pleasing Officer James Johnson, (laughs) who said the following about their acquisition of the album. This album, at its inception, was a kind of protest against rent-seeking middlemen, people who are taking a cut away from the artist. Crypto very much shares that same ethos. Uh, They add that, although Once Upon a Time predates the recent craze for NFTs, the group's goal of recapturing the value of artistic scarcity in the digital age has led it to become seen as kind of a precursor. Quote, The album itself is kind of the OG NFT, said Mr. Johnson, 34, who was proudly sporting a Wu-Tang t-shirt. I mean, he's not wrong about that. Sure. But I, like... You're just mad that you're not the chief pleasing officer of an NFT crypto collective. Uh, yeah, I'm just jealous. That's it. Like, I know there's a lot of, like, fake titles that are thrown around in business. Techno King? Yeah, like, like Elon Musk giving himself the Techno King thing. It's just like... Shut up. (laughs) It is, at at a very base level, it's silly. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, I guess... I mean, Once Upon a Time Shaolin was kind of the original NFT, except it's a real fucking thing that you can hold in your hands. That's a pretty key difference, I would say. Yeah. And uh, it pretty much upset, it angered uh, everyone involved, including the Wu-Tang Clan themselves. Yeah. It, it was a failure of an experiment. Uh, so it's it's interesting to look at how all of that played out and be like, yes, this is, was the blueprint for what we're doing now. <laughs> also, I do I do think it's funny that the, the 88 years thing is like, just imagine like some, some forgotten artist from like the 40s, like the Andrews sisters or some shit like, you know, well, like it won't come out until 2020. I can't, I, I, <laughs> like, might, okay, I might be cool. wrong, but uh, is that the amount of time that has to lapse before like copyright is uh, expired or something? Oh, uh, could be. It could be something like it's, that. I don't know. Those, those laws are uh, Disney keeps changing them. Yeah. So they, on, that's maybe. that, that law keeps changing because uh, like Mickey Mouse is supposed to go free use in like two or three years or something like that. Not going to happen. Uh, but uh, I'm going to read this to you, Elliot, uh, the right. rest of it, because I'm sure it's very interesting to you how this uh, NFT aspect came to be. Give it to me. Here we go, folks. Settle in. To tie Once Upon a Time to the digital realm, an NFT was created to stand as the ownership deed for the physical album, said Peter Schoolidge, a lawyer who specializes in cryptocurrency and NFT deals and was involved in the transaction. The 74 members of PleaserDAO, the abbreviation in its name identifies as a decentralized autonomous organization, okay, there you go, share collective ownership of the NFT deed and thus own the album. As the owners, they can listen to the 31 tracks on its two CDs, ogle its engraved nickel-silver box, and leaf through the leather-bound parchment book that are part of the item's overall package. But for now, at least, PleaserDAO's members are still bound by the original restrictions that RZA and Silver Rings imposed on Mr. Shkreli, including that it cannot be released to the general public in any form until 2103. Okay. So, in theory... Any of these members who own a NFT deed backed by the blockchain to this album can go to the vault, open it up, listen, I guess, on a CD player. But what's the point of having this token? Can they sell it to someone else who can now come to their vault? That's another thing. Like, I don't know. Like, what are the ownership, like, restrictions on the part? Like, do you have to have a certain majority? It seems redundant and stupid. Um, But, I mean, someone's going to leak this, right? Like... I mean, Shkreli already played tracks like yeah, on a lot of streams, and like they weren't very good. That's it. This album, I mean, obviously the, the well, Wu-Tang, you can't really hear it over the live stream. But, but like, like the the deal with this album, I mean, Wu Tang is 
obviously they're past their prime and like it's not the original Wu-Tang members half like, their the members entire, weren't even yeah. involved in the production yeah. of this album it sounded like it was basically a like rarities and b-sides uh, unreleased collection so like not they took some material that would have not gotten really any attention if they released it traditionally but then packaged it uh, very cleverly as this uh, this treasure chest that only one person can have. And like around the same time, RZA did the, that project with, I can't even remember the guy's name. He's in some other band, Banks and Steel. And that was pretty good. Yeah. But I don't know. There's way too many hands in the cookie jar this time. I feel like this is going to get leaked somehow. And then no one can take responsibility for it because it's 74 people. Like, oh, we don't know who fucking leaked it. But then they would devalue their NFT. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> this year is so dumb. Yeah. I love. I, there's a lot to hate about this year, but the like the the stuff that doesn't have an effect on uh, society is is all very funny. There's very funny things happening. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, moving over to TV news this week. Sinclair Broadcasting, the media conglomerate that owns a significant portion of local TV news markets and channels throughout this terrible country. And I was also the target of a brutal expose from John Oliver on last week tonight, a few years back, over, uh, among other things, their must-run segments that turn local news networks into propaganda machines and are all the exact same script, but presented as, like... Their local news anchors doing uh, doing a journalism. So he had just, like, a giant grid of, like, 50 of them all reading the same shit. It was great. Yeah. Anyway, that horrible company was hit by a massive cyber attack this week that not only ended up with stolen and compromised data but also apparently brought down broadcasts, emails, and other forms of communication at the company. Here's The Hollywood Reporter. Sinclair Broadcast Group said Monday that it was the victim of a ransomware attack, resulting in dozens of local newscasts and other programming being pulled off the air Sunday and Monday. Quote, On October 17, 2021, the company identified that certain servers and workstations in its environment were encrypted with ransomware and that certain office and operational networks were disrupted. Data also was taken from the company's network, Sinclair said in a statement early Monday morning. The company is working to determine what information the data contained and will take other actions as appropriate based on its review. The ongoing disruption, which also kicked some NFL games off the air on Sunday, is likely to have an impact on the company's businesses, though Sinclair could not immediately determine whether or not it would be a material impact. So apparently the ripple effect from the initial attack is still ongoing, with local channels still struggling to get things back to normal. Oh, poor Sinclair. You gotta, like, it's so funny because there's probably just a ton of football fans who have no idea that the channel's owned by Sinclair in their area, and it's just like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's Vice. Days later, inside the company, quote, it's pandemonium and chaos, as one current employee who has asked to remain anonymous as they were not authorized to speak to the press told Motherboard. Sinclair has released very few details about the attack since it was hacked Sunday. On Wednesday, Bloomberg reported that the group behind the attack is the infamous Evil Corp, a ransomware gang that is believed to be based in Russia and was sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury Department in 2019. Quote, whoever did this, they either by accident or by design did a very good job, current employee said in a phone call explaining that there are some channels that haven't been able to air commercials since Sunday. We're really running in the blind. You really can't do your job. Oh, Uh, (laughs) the article continues. Until Thursday, the company was communicating with employees via text, according to the sources who shared some of the text sent by the company. In one of them, they called for an all hands meeting. The meeting, according to the two current employees, was quick and vague. Both sources said that the company should be more transparent with its own employees. Quote, 
We don't know if the payment portal was breached. We don't know if our information was breached. We know what things were breached, one of the employees said, but they're just not telling us, and they probably won't tell us for the time being. The other current employee said that the stations he works on are not airing any commercials at all. Quote, there's no work right now. Nothing works, he said. These poor guys. Yeah. Couldn't have happened to a nicer group of people. Mm. Best of luck to them. Yes. Anyway, over in more traditional entertainment news fair, though, the first trailer for the Uncharted movie has been released after the film has been in various forms of developmental hell for at least a decade. Mm -hmm. So will this movie, starring little Tom Holland and big Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> live up to the hype? Uh, no I idea. have no idea, but this trailer its not giving us too much confidence because it, I mean, it literally looks like any generic action-adventure movie from the past five years or so. Also, why is Nathan Drake so young? Nathan Drake is a man. And where's Wahlberg's mustache? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like a movie that The Rock would star in, but he's not there. It's Tom Holland and, for some reason, Mark Wahlberg yeah. as Sully Sullivan, which both of them seem pretty horribly miscast. But well, it's fine because the movie also looks like it sucks. Yeah. So, yeah. But hey, after all this time, I mean, you've probably, since this was first announced, you've grown up, you've had, you got married, had some kids experienced some a whole lot of life and you're finally <laughs> going to get that movie you've been waiting half your life for. So that's something to look forward to, right? Yeah. Finally. finally. <laughs> uh, but speaking of new trailers, though, Rockstar just released a trailer for the upcoming GTA Remastered trilogy. And it the, the trailer just shows straight up comparisons between the original game footage and the remastered People version. People are shitting all over this. I, I think it looks great. Yeah, like, would they... You can you can get the games as they looked back then. Right now, you can play them. Yeah, this is a remastered collection, and the 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 approach that they've taken to it, I think, is the right approach. Like they're not trying to make it look like GTA Five. They're yeah. taking the design of the GTA Three games and basically upresing them, smoothing them out a little bit, and that does give a sort of Fortnite look to it. But there's a, there's other like you know examples that show like there's there's. The character is not different, but it looks different enough and updated enough that it is way more believable when you're playing it. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it looks great. Honestly, it, it kind of just looks like the game that you already had in your mind. That's the thing with these old games. They, the way you remember them is different than the way they look when you go back to play They look like, like shit. Oh, this looks like trash. Yeah. Wow. Now it looks like how it looked in your mind. Yeah. Um, things always look better. Like, I mean, you think about games that you played when you were a kid and you're like, and you go back and you're like, wow, yeah. this sucks. I remember one of the games I played the most when I was a kid, very obscure, Courier Crisis. Uh, it was about a bike messenger. Yeah, so yeah. You could flick people off and stuff. I like got a ROM, allegedly, a couple of years ago because I, <laughs> I I remember playing the game and I remember yeah. loving it. And I was like, God, this is horrible. And in my mind, I was like, I was going through the city streets. Yeah. Like it was like for me that was like so pre immersive. GTA. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like <laughs> this looks like trash. But look, it looks like they did a decent job with these remasters, and it it, it will be fun to replay these games with updated graphics. I Absolutely. Mean, the price tag sucks. Didn't really expect to pay $60. That's three games, though. But that's three games. You get GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas. So and that's I mean, 20 bucks each. These are old games, but like I think they're each of them is like at least 15 hours of gameplay. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that you can't just buy whichever one you want. But San Andreas, uh, the remaster, is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Oh, just that one? Yeah. I mean, that was the best one, but... And uh, and I believe GTA 3 is going to the whatever PlayStation service is called mm. in December. Interesting. Uh, but the Xbox Game Pass San Andreas thing is on November 11th when the entire trilogy is released. So if you 
if you already have that service and you want to check out and just see what it's like, that's an easy way to do it. But what's probably most sellable here is the fact that this brings these games to the Nintendo Switch, which is kind of exciting if you want to play GTA while you poop or you fly on a plane. Uh, though mobile versions of these games have been available anyway, so it's and they're like, and they're terrible. I, I had uh, San Andreas like on my phone. I bought ago. it, and never played it because like the first five <laughs> yeah. minutes, I was like, "This is trash." I played it like during one flight, and I was just like, "This just does not work. I can't do this." Yeah. And sorry about the hard cut. I had to double check that we didn't already do this, but uh, as a follow up to yesterday's reporting on the uh, Missouri governor who. Uh, <laughs> The, the claim the journalist hacked the an Department elite of hacker has breached the state systems. Uh, he has put out an actual video uh, doubling down on the claims uh, against the journalist for hacking their uh, Department of Education website. He breached our mainframe. Uh, and look, you just got to see it because it's wonderful. So we're, we're just going to play that video so you get a real vibe of what's going on over in Missouri. So uh, check that out here now. Latest from the Missouri's fake news factory is from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, where a reporter has been digging around HTML code on a state website. The state technology division said the hacker took the records of at least three educators, decoded the HTML source code, and viewed the social security numbers of teachers from a state website. Governor Parson believes everyone is entitled to their privacy, especially our teachers. Governor Parson is standing up to the fake news media and is committed to bring to justice anyone who obtained private information. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch is purely playing politics. Exploiting private information is a squad excuse for journalism and hiding behind the noble principle of free speech to do it is shameful. Wow. There you go. A perfect example of uh, just tech illiteracy. And when you see a picture of this guy, you're like, yeah, that's exactly yeah. who I would assume doesn't understand what right-click and doing He does not is. know how to open PDF. They've, they've decoded the HTML. Yeah. They're in. Hacker man. <sighs> Anyway, that's it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched that episode that we just mentioned, we covered the news about Trump's new social network, Truth Social. Post your truths here, my truth. And how exciting that all is mm -hmm. uh, in yesterday's episode on Tech News. The only content on the site is a pig with poop on its balls, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then earlier this week, we talked about uh, Harambe. Harambe takes New York. Taking New York. Picking up the Defiant Girl and climbing the Empire State Building. Mm -hmm. There you go. Check both of those out over here. Subscribe to the channel. We'll be back soon with Weekly Weird News. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.